Welcome to the Bocha Podcast at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And Charlene, this is Episodio 27, but this month, June, we've already had some bonus content from uh, for our Bocha fan. We, like, outdid ourselves. I know. Early on. Now we're going to, we might have to do this every month now. I don't know. I don't know. But if you didn't get an opportunity to listen, listen to our bonus content with CC Meadows. It was an interview. We sat down with CC Meadows, who is the owner, uh, entrepreneur, online phenom from Prados Beauty, mm-hmm. which is an amazing uh, line of products and um, brushes and accoutrements for all of your beauty, beauty Oh, needs. I like that. Beauty accoutrement. Exactly. And she was just a fabulous human. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the store when we walked in. I loved her vibe when she walked in. And then once we got talking to her. That was it? You were sold? That's I was it. totally sold. And so um, if you didn't listen to it, press pause now. Go back, listen to it. She's an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. And she gives um, part of her profits go to the Prados Promise to help um, indigenous communities, um, uh, veterans communities. So just she does a lot of good in the world. She really does. And if you're if you're a makeup fan, um, check it out. If you have loved ones that are makeup fans, check it out. They'll probably be a pocha pick for Navidad. I'm just oh, going to say. I'm even considering getting something for me. They're great. Absolutely. And, and online tutorials. Online tutorials. Best part. And they were just super fun and it was a great interview. So yes, if you haven't checked out the bonus bonus content, uh, please do. Because... You know, all the things, all the things. And you can find Prados Beauty online Mm -hmm. on all of the socials. And we're uplifting her because she's just an amazing human that does great things and puts great intention out into the world. Yeah, her story is great, really inspirational for people who are maybe just trying to figure out a way out of um, she talked about some depression, some postpartum depression, about being an army wife. There's Mm -hmm. so many aspects to her that all come out in her product which is really beautiful it's very personal to her and I just felt that I mean at one point I seriously got teary-eyed and I was like dang right and she's also an LGBTQ ally LGBTQ plus ally and Mm -hmm. we're part we're doing you know all the things pride because it is June yeah and that actually is part of our episodio 27 because June is full of bonuses, right? So like it's the start of summer, paletas and raspas taste better in June, getting the getting us started for the summer months. And of course, June is Pride Month. It's Pride, Kat. Happy Pride. Thank you. Uh, although I'm proud every single day, this is just, you know, extra bonus pride for the rest of the year. Well, so I've I'm, got the brown pride and I got the rainbow pride and I got, híjole. I'm proud of colores. you, Kat. And we even in- inherited some nicknames. You're the gay bay. I'm the gay bay. I'm bien gay. You're bien gay, <laughs> which is very true. And so today we do find ourselves at, or at least I find myself, at an intersection that's different from brown pride and assimilation. Mm-hmm. It's gay pride and assimilation. Tell us about that. And what I mean by that is, so let me set up the context for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, I don't speak for everybody. You're not the gay monolith. I'm not, <laughs> sadly, the gay monolith. But so I don't speak for everybody in this. Um, in this, but I think it might resonate with some folks who uh, live in smaller towns, smaller areas. But so there is no 
gay center, gay and lesbian center here or LGBTQ plus center here. There are no LGBTQ clubs, bars, mm. scenes here. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are pockets, right? We mm-hmm. have clusters of friends who have house parties or this or that, but we don't have like LA has a strip where the bars are in um, in mm-hmm. West Hollywood. San Francisco and the, the Castro, Greenwich Village in New York. We don't have that here. And I would I would go as far as saying that most of America doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. Something to anchor in the LGBTQ community. So what happens when you're living there and you kind of assimilate into straight communities because you don't have that bar or that party or that place to go to? And I, I get it. I get it. You know what? I get it. Not every place has to be associated with a bar. But let's face it, that is a moneymaker. That is where people meet. And it is kind of a sense of community, even if you're in recovery. But all of that to, to, to say that when I was asked a, a question about some LGBTQ activities that I was going to participate in on the work side, I was like really excited about some things that we were going to do in the queer community because that was my pride. Mm. And I've been thinking about this for a while, how we are parents, the, co- the, the executive producer and I are parents. We're, we're parenting four kids, although I can't call them kids by now because two are out of high school. And um, so we do some of the same things you do, Charlene. Cooking the dinner, going to school activities, go to bed, make sure you brush your teeth, mm-hmm. you're clean, you're in one piece, go to the grocery store, do all the things. So it's like, we're in that sense, we're just like you. Really? Almost the gays exactly. are just like me. Just like. So, but there's other aspects in which there's, I don't own, not, I own, I own one pair of socks that has the, the pride rainbow on it. Right. You're That's not, it. You're not a rainbow flasher. I'm not a rainbow flasher. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So I, I just felt like I've slipped into and I took a look back and like, wow, living in Las Cruces. So in, in a, again, in a lot of parts of the U.S., it is like this, that there is no kind of gay center, no magnet of gays, as it were. <laughs> that you can easily assimilate into what looks like a straight life. So here, and you said you wanted to talk about this, this assimilation into straightness. And honestly, I, I said, okay, well then that's all you, because obviously that's not my experience. And I, I guess I, of course, because I'm, I have an ego and I'm biased to what appeals to me, what makes sense to me, what my experience has been. I don't necessarily walk into a place and think I'm the only straight person here very often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, probably going to Moe's and hanging out in the neighborhood is, <laughs> is the only time in Las Cruces that that happens to me. Um, but what does that mean for you? Like, if what do you imagine if you were living in a place like LA, like Chicago, like a big city that had, even Albuquerque, that had a base, a hub, for people that were gay, what does that feel like? How is it different than what you experience now? Okay, so I'm going to parallel it to something that you may, that you you definitely have experienced in this life. And I will say that part of my life I did, uh, of my adult life, I did live in LA and I was West Hollywood adjacent. So mm-hmm. when I went to the grocery stores, I, you know, I wasn't the only lesbian down the, down even the aisle, right? Mm-hmm. Or I wasn't the only queer person in, in the place. Um, and I lived in New York, and of course, New York also has a vibrant LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community. 
So I will parallel it to something like this because I have been giving it thought as to what, how, how to liken it for you to kind of get a visual. Yeah. So if you go to a party, you go to, you go to your, your, your primo's house, mm-hmm. and it's all people you know, it's all your homies, it's all your gente, mm-hmm. but then like one white person walks in, the vibe changes. Whoop. And it's my husband. And it's right. <laughs> right. So that's kind of what it is. Like it, it does change the vibe a little bit where it's like, oh, now we have to shift. And almost like, um, almost like when you're, mm, I, I, I don't quite know how to, to, is to it make a, that shift. Is but it it's like, a, your guards up different? Guard is up. Mm-hmm. You watch what you, what you say. And again, not speaking for everybody, but I think that for my experience, that's the best way to parallel it. Mm-hmm. You watch what you say, how you say it, how much you code switch. Right. So you're the back of your head is thinking, I don't know how this might go over, so I'm going to skip it. Right. And this is not to say, and I want to be very clear, I don't ever hide who I am. If somebody asks me about my private life or like, do you have a husband? No, but I got, I got a partner and she is just an amazing human being. Right. Um, I'm never shy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have a different sense of awareness of who's in the room. It's like you can't, mm. no puedes ver bien. You, you're just, you're not as relaxed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it does shift a little bit. This doesn't mean that I shift around you necessarily. Like we've known each other for a decade now. Why, somos viejas. So, <laughs> but you know, it's when you go into any given nightclub or bar post-COVID or pre-COVID, um, you do your 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 spidey senses are like whoop let's just make sure that what our conversation is like what how we act how how loose or how authentic we can be that's an interesting so I never thought about it in this context but you and I have been to a few bars together yes um sometimes it was with a whole team because we were after partying with roller derby people and that's a whole different vibe right different thing but what we've also gone to a bar with like just us you're my wing person and we're just gonna go to a bar Mm -hmm. and I will say that going to a bar and I never thought about this going to a bar with a straight girlfriend felt different than going to a bar with you because I felt very much more like, I wasn't worried about my friend going to the bathroom. I wasn't worried about, oh, shit, this dude's kind of, like, this is too much. He's getting too close. Eh, this is creepy. We got to go. I was like, it felt more like we were, we kind of had power. Like, mm-hmm. it felt more like, we will fuck you up. This is not, <laughs> like, we're not here to be cute. We're here to have fun and drink and dance. But I didn't feel a pressure to be attractive or like, oh, that guy's hitting. Like, it didn't feel like we were going to have that kind of camaraderie. Like, oh, that guy's looking at you. It was like, we're just here to fuck shit up. Right. Just to go have fun. Just to have fun. Exactly. And, the, mm. and then the flip side is when, if I was single, just to be clear, so that I don't get stink guy over there. <laughs> and I went to a gay bar. I would have the added pressure of like, Okay, I want to look good. Right. And I want to make sure that, like, give deep thought into what I'm going to wear and what that says right. when I what walk vibe into, am I putting yeah, out? into an LGBTQ establishment. Mm-hmm. 
And then when I go to a straight bar, I don't re- I'm like, who the fuck am I here to impress? <laughs> it ain't you, it ain't you, it ain't you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. even though we do have um, clubs and bars in El Paso, that's a 45-minute drive. Mm-hmm. And if right. you want to... Imbibe. Even if you don't want to imbibe, let's face it. If you're getting out at 11, that's oh, a 45-minute yeah. drive back home. You're getting out of the bar at 11? You know what I mean. <laughs> if you if you happen to be 44 yep. and you are getting out at 11. <laughs> if you got there at 6.45. <laughs> for early senior dinner. <laughs> like, maybe I have. But, I mean, seriously, like, you would yeah. have to go yeah. travel. And, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is everybody's experience. I think it might resonate with some folks. And, and I also want to put the caveat in there that it is true. Like, LGBTQ plus Americans or, or residents of this country put on our pantaloons the same way. We put on our pantyhose the same way, one leg at a time. We need to eat just like everybody does. We need to have entertainment and cell phones and all the things. But I will say, and and I'm not sure if you've ever been to an LGBTQ establishment, whether it's a coffee shop, a bookstore, or anything, there is a difference. There is a a shift, if you Mm -hmm. will. And we kind of talked about it a little bit about being in a straight environment, but the shift the other way is... Mm -hmm. It just it's just an, a breathe easier for me. I don't know what mm. your experience might be, but definitely there is a shift when you walk in. It's almost like, oh, and you walk in and you're like, okay, I can, I can chill. I can be me. I can. What no if, one's gonna second guess. Gonna question. Gonna wonder. Gonna nothing. Where does that come from? Okay, can, can you explain what that question means? What, what do you mean by where does that come from? A feeling of belonging okay perfect yeah I think that's what it is is a feeling of belonging people get you in that yeah. space without knowing you yeah they get you yeah so sure. if you if you walked into um, a Latinx coffee shop and they have cafe de la olla it's like they get me mm. mm-hmm. I don't have to unless it's paired with $17 avocado toast <laughs> in which case <laughs> that is not your they place don't get you. <laughs> But yes, so I I also want to I'm not trying to call you out, but a little bit. Okay. Because this is our podcast, right? Sure, yeah. Our five loyal listeners <laughs> and us. Thank you, five. Right? But seriously, this is our podcast. We we're not endorsed by anybody. Nobody pays us to do this. This is our space and we get to talk about what we want to talk about. Mhm. Mhm. You keep saying this is not everyone's experience. I know this isn't for everybody. You don't have to apologize for having an experience. I'm, no, I'm definitely not apologizing. Okay. But, you know, for those five people who are listening, maybe <laughs> maybe the one in five is LGBTQ and the other four are like, what is she saying? What is this this that she speaks? And I don't want them to walk away going, oh, my LGBTQ plus friend, Jay, this is how you must feel. Gotcha. Right. And that's just not the case. This is, I feel like I have assimilated into a straight life. Yeah. Doing, you know, having this straightish kind of parenting, go to work, do the things, activities, dinner, whatever. Um, and I'm missing that piece mm. that I guess for me really is only, the light is only shining on it once a year. Really, mm-hmm. realistically. Mm. Yeah. Like no one. No one is making a big deal every other every other time of the year. Mm-hmm. It really is once a year where we see 
Mm. Like Hulu has a whole bunch of LGBTQ right. movies. Yes. Um, Netflix has their own pride, set of pride movies, so on and so forth. Would Would it make you feel better if every time you like not in June, if every time you walked into a room, I just stood up and started close, slow clapping? <laughs> like the gays are here, the gays are here. Like does that? I mean, that is a super great shift into talking about allies. <laughs> it really is. So. Um, allies don't have to stand up and clap, but um, I think allies can see where there's code switching that has to be done mm-hmm. and then can um, help with the code switching. Right. And and not have, not, I don't want to say make assumptions, but like step back from making assumptions of, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. experiences that we may have had. Sure. So, but speaking of allies and moving into the allyship part of, of our episodio, what does being an ally for you mean or look like? Oh, that's an excellent question. Mm-hmm. I think um, what it has come to mean for me is that when I can shift a conversation and take some of what could be awkward off of people that I know are LGBTQ and mixing into that straight world, um, like at a birthday party, you know, people walk in and, oh, these are your kids, yeah, oh, where's your husband, or whatever, like, oh, her partner is my friend so-and-so, you know her, like, bridging that a little bit so that you're not, not to speak for you, but just, like, vouching for you, like, yeah, I'm gonna step in front of that because these are my people and I'm gonna tell you how it is right now kind of a thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it feels like a protective role sometimes um and sometimes it feels like a sidekick role like oh i'm not just gonna let you take this and i'm right here if you need me like i'm i think it's about listening i think it's about um i can't make assumptions about what you need i, I have to ask i need to i need you to tell me um it also means not being in spaces that aren't mine and being okay with that because every other space gets to be mine all the time mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. a straight person. Um, not having, I tell you all the time, like, I'm not gay enough. Oh, I can't <laughs> go to this thing. Like, but in a joking way, because if it feels like I'm being left out of certain things, it's because you have to feel like that all the fucking time. You just talked about that sense of belonging not being there for you as much as it is for me. So, understanding that and and trying to um recreate that like I hope I feel like belonging to you I hope you can walk into my house and like go into my refrigerator and not question and meet my family and know that it's going to be safe and even if even if it's not safe because I'm not going to say my whole family is just like all the way ally open about every fucking thing they're not that it's going to be okay because I'm there like I hope that you can feel that Uh, And that's just on a personal level. I think um, it's my job to expose my children to what love looks like in all kinds of different ways. Like me and their dad is not the only kind of love. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that as long as it's a healthy relationship, it's beautiful and an inspiration, period. I think it's my job to, in my work, when I can make systems and other things more equitable and more belonging uh, for people who identify differently, who are different. 
than me, then that's my job to do that. As a like, I I can use my belonging as a power um, to call people in and bring people up and reach a hand back and say like, you belong here too. Um. Yeah. I love that you had mentioned in terms of being an ally that there are kind of different levels or ways that you need to step in or step up or shine a light on. Um, and uh, pulling a couple examples, like sometimes sometimes I think allies feel like they only need to step up when it gets, when it gets ugly. Right. Like, I will be there for you when it gets ugly. Right. But a, an ally can also step in and say, just change language. Yep they them or we don't have to say husband and wife or it doesn't have to be a binary Mm -hmm. in this or that or the other way or even removing stigma from individuals who who cross-dress or who don't follow a binary Mm -hmm. in terms of gender identity um so there are the the different levels you don't always have to have your brass knuckles on you can be soft and kind when correcting someone Mm -hmm. and an ally can cover the breadth of what that landscape looks like yeah um and also I'll, i'll 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 take a moment to just say like in terms of corporate allies and i know this has been a topic online because people like and it's true target don't just love me in june right make sure that you love me 11 other months of the year mm-hmm Make sure that your employment practices mm-hmm. match that June love that you have. Mm-hmm. Make sure that when you when you have managers, um, managers are also aware that you are loving us, mm-hmm. not just eleven months out of the year. Yeah, the rainbow bandwagon. Right. Yeah. So it's not just it's not just about being loved and having cute rainbow towels at old navy or at walmart or at wherever mm-hmm. right this is this is really about like every all year round yeah it's not a marketability right issue you're not a commodity exactly yeah, yeah. and i think uh, i think this can be said for all communities sure. that are you know quote unquote marginalized or, or not impacted. part of the dominant culture mm-hmm. right so don't just black lives matter once mm-hmm. in a while or when there's another person who has mm-hmm. passed away at the hands of authorities like do this all the time make sure that right. black lives matter and however you hire and however you promote mm-hmm. and however you market i want to see myself and i am seeing myself more and more in commercials which is nice mm. i know i know i know amazon amazon we have words about unionizing <laughs> But they have had some commercials that don't, aren't just about June where they show same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. And the next step is, well, not the next step. It should always be included. The all step should be right. make sure you got trans people and um, right. BIPOC people who are in your commercials as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it shouldn't just be about the managers trying to figure out how they're going to fit all the Juneteenth and Pride merch mm-hmm. in one. <laughs> Right. <laughs> in mm-hmm. one specialty section come June. Right. That shouldn't be your biggest problem. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you, now that you've you've talked a little bit about what an ally is, has that has that changed for you over the years what an ally is? Not just for LGBTQ, but since we're in pride season. Oh yeah. Uh, for real. A lot. A lot having a lot of that has to do with you, honestly, because um and some of our other really good friends who I've seen and who I've talked to just about what it meant to come out and what it meant to grow up in 
whatever household they grew up in um like it used to be it once I understood what that was it used to be me me being accepting was enough Mm-hmm. And then it turned into how can I spread that acceptance? How can I spread the understanding about what it means for people to come out? Because if they, if somebody won't listen to you because they already have this image of who you are and what you are, maybe they'll listen to me because I have straight privilege. Like I have privilege mm-hmm. in some spaces. And and sometimes it's worth it to use that and sometimes it's just fucking not. Like let's not, not everybody's going to, be okay and accepting and loving and all that shit they're not but there's a whole ass generation of kids who don't you know i i think i really think it's beautiful that seriously we walked into target i don't remember how long not long ago because it was already they already had pride everything right when you walk in right Mm -hmm. and my daughter who's seven said she of course loves all the rainbows because she's seven and loves Mm -hmm. rainbows and she's like and she can read now she said what's pride and i told her it's celebrating people that are gay or lesbian what's gay (laughs) well gay is when you know there's like mom and dad or a boy and a girl sometimes there's a girl and a girl or a boy and a boy and she goes oh like and she named off three or four couples that are in our life all the time that she knows very well and i just said yes conversation over done she was like oh cool you know i you know i'll give you mad props not just for like explaining these things but going out of your way to even introduce and expose so for instance your daughter and um drag queens oh she loves them drag queens and how that is just a very normalized part of her life that Mm -hmm. not everybody has to dress in box a and box b Mm -hmm. There are so many other boxes or just whatever outfits that we can choose. And one day we dress in a dress and one day we don't have to and we have a suit. And that to me is incredibly beautiful that you've done that with your with your daughter one and son. One of the best lesson life lessons that I think I've ever heard and that was directed at her. We were at a drag show and um, a drag queen that we love. Uh, shout out to Ivana Bump. Um, she just she loves the makeup she loves the clothes that's her thing she loves it right so we were watching Ivana and then um, Ivana came to talk to us after the show and I and I said um, she was asking what a drag queen was and I didn't really know what to tell her and Ivana leans down and like puts her hands on my daughter's shoulders and says a drag queen means that you're being the most fabulous human that you can possibly be and you should do that too and I was like boom that's it we should all be drag queens be the most fabulous human you can be boom (laughs) done yes and yes yeah that's it and again she was like big old smile okay (laughs) yeah but she definitely internalizes those things. So, I mean, those kinds of things make me happy, not just because we're checking off boxes and the parenting win, but I see that. I see that she, you belong in her eyes. That's it. You belong. And she's seven and she's going to grow up and 
the people she knows and associates with are going to have that too and that if we keep if we all keep doing that then hopefully you don't have to feel like you need a gay bar to feel like you belong because that's the goal i mean i want you to have that and look at me waving in the window all sad but (laughs) oh i'll let you in we're allowed one (laughs) plus one there's a ratio (laughs) what's the ratio gay bay to gays uh, it has to be like a three to four ratio, like oh, yeah. three gay bay for every four. Oh, that way it can be kind of, you know, even as bad. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I'll take it. <laughs> You'll take it. <laughs> what else is on your mind about pride month or anything else, um, before? So you, so you're not a rainbow enthusiast. Um, do you think that if you lived in a bigger city or if you lived somewhere where there was more representation that you would, or is that just not your jam? So I, I invested in a bunch of rainbow shit (laughs) and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it wasn't like a bad thing. I just, Mm -hmm. when I first came out, everything needed to be a rainbow array of things. Mm -hmm. Now it's, it's like, okay, boo, but if you can't tell, and if I haven't mentioned (laughs) about my partner within the first five minutes of meeting me, (laughs) I'm sorry that you didn't get it. Right. Um, So yeah, I don't need a whole huge array of rainbowy things to whatever. Um, And actually, I, I keep this thought in my head a lot. There's a family member who, when I first came out, so when I first came out, it was around the time that Ellen DeGeneres on her show, her, on her comedy show, mm-hmm. came mm, out. Right. Oh, I remember that was a big deal. And um, and a family member had, had mentioned to me, like, well, it doesn't have to be like Ellen DeGeneres. You don't have to, like, shove it in everybody's face. And I'm oh. like, okay. Wow. And that has stuck with me ever since. And it's not that I want to, like... I don't feel like when I talk about my partner and our kids that I'm shoving it in everybody's face. That is my life. And right. if you are interested in me, mm-hmm. if you ask me, I'm not going to shy away from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't need anything rainbow necessarily. I love what it stands for. And there used to be many colors to this rainbow that stood, each color stood for a specific thing. Mm. And they keep adding on like the brown and the mm-hmm. black parts mm-hmm. of the flag to make sure that we are continually uh having people at that lgbtq plus table but i just that stuck with me because i was like no one is ever gonna tell me again mm-hmm. that i can't not shove but i can't be who i am in authentic right. i cannot be authentic in any space that i take for sure and i took that to heart and it was a it was a, a it was a family member who I was very close to, and I was like, vas a ver. And I became so oh. gay that I started, I got gay for pay. I started working at the LA Gay and Lesbian Center. I worked at um, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Like, gay, 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 all the way. Yeah, and that, that has just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, what was the second part of your question? Do I wear all the rainbows? No. If you lived somewhere... Mm. where there was more representation would you yes so here's as an ally i'm gonna break it to you easy gay bars are so much more fun than straight bars <laughs> i believe you straight bars are horrible they 
I don't know why, <laughs> why they can't get their shit together to make a good fun straight bar, but gay bars are just, I don't know, there's just something about it. Dude in a Speedo with glow sticks, dancing yes. to all for four hours straight, yes. love it. Love it. Lesbian bars that, um, you know, like the Palms on Santa Monica, where they had like a little shower stall where there would be a lady in a bikini taking a shower while you're playing pool. Love it. Shut up. Not kidding. Um, those are just aspects of like, I don't know. I, I think I think what I can say is like, once you break the taboo about who you be sleeping with, there's a lot of things that are just n- no longer on the table about being... I don't have to hide shit. I don't have to hide shit. And so the the bars are so much more fun. There's other th- music, things, visuals, <sighs> stuff that is just so tangible and and <clears throat> about. It's like it's like finding out there's more than just a Macintosh apple. That there is a pink lady <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like you, you just that, brought up this really crazy thought for me that. And I said, straight bars are horrible. And I've had a shitload of fun in a lot of straight bars. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As a straight female, there is always an intimidation factor when I am at a straight bar. Always. Because I don't trust motherfuckers to not put shit in your drink, to not try to corner you in the bathroom, to not be shady as fuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will fully admit that I have a bias. I am a survivor of sexual assault. I, a thousand percent. I know I carry that with me. But a gay bar feels safe. Mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. for me, as a straight woman, a gay bar feels safe. Because even if, even if a, a woman wants to hit on me, thinks I'm attractive, starts talking to me, she's not intimidating to me. That doesn't intimidate me like a straight bar and a male coming up to me who has this physical difference of power and all this other shit like that doesn't intimidate me so i mean i'm sure there are if you are a woman listening to this and you feel like you could intimidate me please don't try to prove it (laughs) i believe you no no i hear what you're saying definitely there is something a little bit more intimidating by it i will say and not that we're having like a pity party olympics or whatever but i go into straight bars thinking that and then when i get hit on and i'm like oh thank you no i i have to code what i say Mm -hmm. not because i am not being authentic but because if i say no thank you not interested i'm a lesbian the reaction is oh you just haven't had the right dick or Hey, I have a friend. You want to have a threesome? And it's I like, was just going to say that. There's nothing part of your body that I'm right. really interested in right now. So yep. you can just keep that there. Well, and as a straight woman, I do think that that is even a joke. That is, if a dude's hitting on you and you don't like it, oh, me and my friend are together. <laughs> like, it's a joke. That's not cute because I hear what you're saying. That's still intimidating. There's still, that's not safe still for a person to be like oh cool let's have a threesome like it doesn't it's not like it's an immediate turnoff for a dude it, because it feels like a challenge absolutely oh, not only do i have to get this lady now this lady's a lesbian now it really like bum, right. bum, bum. Right. this is a mountain i must climb yes no no just let me be bro i'm just here to you know have my zima with grenadine and have a good time wow you know what? wow bring it back mm-hmm. bring it back Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. saw a I saw a TikTok the other day and I almost died that said um, 
my generation grew up drinking Mad Dog 2020. Your generation drinks White Claw. We are not the same. No, this is so true. I feel that shit. I feel that in my bones. White Claw versus not just Mad Dog. We had Boons and we had Zima. I'm not even sure what we were thinking in that time. We weren't. Mm -mm. There was a, uh, those were some fucked, that was a fucked up place right there. That intersection of Boons and Mad Dog and Zima. Well, now we're classy because we drink Prosecco. No, I'm still not classy, but I'll drink your Prosecco. It's delicious. Oh, Kat, this is the Pocha Podcast. And it is June. We are in Episodio 27. No. We've come a long way. So long. So long. Um, so moving and shifting from pride and all things LGBTQ to tennis. I know. Tennis? I know. And not the Martina Navratilova or the Billie Jean King kind of <laughs> tennis. Because we could really go, we could keep going. Absolutely. With the pride. Yeah. Just go with that theme. Yeah. Do you drive a Subaru? <laughs> um, so, no, but we are going into our que de nuevo. Yeah. And what is of new for us is something that's super interesting in the tennis world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that I used to be an incredibly huge tennis fan when I was growing up. Not because of Andre Agassi so much as I was a fan of Monica Seles and Steffi Graf and their rivalry mm. in the 90s. Loved it. But this is a whole new world and not just with one athlete. I think this is going to become a story for other athletes who are yep. going to come out and, yep. and step away from the shame and stigma that is mental health issues. Yep. So hit us up. What's up? Yeah. So we're talking about Naomi Osaka. She is actually a Japanese and Haitian tennis player. Um, she's 23. She's the first Asian player to hold a number one ranking in the singles by the Women's Tennis Association. She's a four-time Grand Slam singles champion. Um, she's a badass, in yes. other words. She's the first woman to win successive Grand Slam singles since Serena Williams in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, she beat Serena Williams in the final of the U.S. Open in 2018, which boosted her career and notoriety and triggered some anxiety and depression issues. Because when she beat Serena Williams, who is a goddess, Mm -hmm. she got booed. She got a lot of clapback from fans of Serena who were like, nah, that's our girl kind of a thing. And that really sunk in. Like, that stuck with her. She says she's an introvert. She says she's, um, it's really hard for her to deal with that kind of negative attention and negative press. And so very recently, she... um, withdrew from the French Open after refusing to talk to media. She won her first match and then refused to talk to media because she said she didn't want to hear negative questions. She knows her weaknesses. And she said, there's always a reporter who will target those weaknesses and ask about them. And it gets in her head and she's, her playing suffers because of it. Mm. So she, because she refused and it's part of her contractual obligation, she was fined 15 grand. And then it became a thing. It became this whole news thing, right? And she said, you know what? Because I love the sport, I don't want this story to be a distraction. I'm pulling out. So she withdrew from the French Open. So here's what I'm going to say for people who aren't familiar with tennis. When you say Grand Slam, there are four major tennis tournaments that are that are part of the Grand Slam. The U.S. Open, uh, Wimbledon, which is in the U.K., the French Open, and Australian Open. And they're not all on these regular courts that we see out in you know in our neighborhood or what have you there are clay courts there are grass courts and then there are those regular courts that we're we're used to so it's not like you're playing 
I don't want to equate this to football, but it's not like you're playing. It's like going from turf to grass. And that's important because these grand slams, these four major tournaments Mm -hmm. are super huge and very, very difficult to win. Mm -hmm. This is not an easy thing. You are by yourself on the court. You do not have the opportunity to get coached, not at the beginning of your game, not during the middle, not in between sets. You are out there on your own for several hours at mm-hmm. a time, having to perform and also entertain in a very weird sports arena way. So when you're saying that she's a Grand Slam tournament winner, that's huge. Yeah. Not everybody gets to do that. Right. And she's said, part of her thing is that she's said she's had challenges with, she hasn't won Wimbledon. She's had challenges with the grass and she's had challenges on clay courts. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually where the questions come about her weaknesses and she says I like I was taking care of my mental health I needed to separate myself from the negativity and I mean for context if you don't follow tennis which I'm not I don't follow a ton of tennis but I absolutely have watched as a kid definitely know what you're talking about like the rivalries because I love the story Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. athletes are interesting to me because of their story like whatever sports whatever but when you hear about an athlete's story, it just, it, it interests me. I love hearing that backside of where they're coming from. So this interested me because one, she's a woman of color. Um, she's also has Japanese citizenship. So even though she's lived in the U S since she was three, she plays for Japan, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people are not happy about. Uh, whatever, whatever. She's also, uh, been the highest earning female athlete of all time oh since 2020 damn so this is the other thing that it makes me think now is she and and to be fair she did talk to two reporters after that first win she answered a few questions from one reporter and there's a japanese reporter that she's under contract with that she did answer a few questions to and then she refused everyone else um and then she was fined and all the things it's part of her contractual obligation, which part of my brain says, well, she didn't uphold it. There's going to be a fine. There's a consequence for not upholding your contract. Another part of me says, should that be in her contract? And as a woman of color, as a person, a woman who's coming into a white male dominated sport, did she feel pressure to sign that contract because everybody else is doing it? And that's the world we've all accepted as what you do. Is it right? Does it make it right? And that's where I have questions. So I, I would I would um, look at this from a couple different levels. First is, are these outdated contracts? Mm-hmm. Should the should any sports, um, not just team but sports program, whatever, should they be relooking at this and being mm-hmm. aware and accepting of some people who will have anxiety because. It's not fun to sit in front of a group of people and answer questions about your weaknesses. Like, right, Charlene, why did you pick that shirt today? That is not your color. It washes out your face. Like, no one wants to answer these kinds of questions, right. um, especially after a win or even more devastatingly a loss, right? Or right Period. before going into right. a match or a game. And the other piece that I would look at this as is, how are they treating women for men? Yep. So I would, do I have the, the, the actual information to back me up on this? No, but I would <laughs> guesstimate that 
men would be able to get away with this shit a lot easier than women. And the one person that I would say that we could probably look back to and see if he picked up and left a, a press conference is John McEnroe. I was just going to say that. Now, John McEnroe, for y'all young folks who hot don't head. know, mm-hmm. he was a hothead. He yeah. really was. He would... And fun to watch. <laughs> he would throw and break mm-hmm. rackets mm-hmm. back in the day when they had wooden rackets. Mm-hmm. Um, he would just fucking pitch a fit like a fucking four-year-old. Yep. It doesn't matter if it was Grand Slam or if it was his neighbor's house just having a fun game. Like, he would just pitch a fit. I would be hard-pressed to find that he didn't pick up and leave in the middle of a press conference and break that contract and nothing happened. Right, right. So there is, you know what, we need to be more aware and more proactive for the mental health of our sports figures because the French Open is making money. And they're going to make yep. money on the name that's coming to their tournament. And if you start having people peeling off because you are contractually obligating them and putting them in a situation that makes their game less than, mm-hmm. you're going to lose money. I, I think for some of these athletes, it was for a long, long time, particularly for women and still for women more so, you're lucky to even be here. Mm-hmm. You're lucky to be making this kind of money doing what you're doing. Your percent of the population gets this opportunity. Just be grateful. And it's still not parity. No. There is still not, not just monetary parity. No. There is not play parity in, in, in the sports. Agreed. Period. So, so one aspect for me is just what what are these tournaments what are these organizations doing to better accommodate and be forward thinking about mm-hmm. the mental health of their players the other thing that's interesting to me is like you're talking about back in the day McEnroe back in the day when all of this was happening there was a big difference from today that I see so the sponsors that are have invested in her obviously she's the highest paid female athlete People are investing in her. People Mm -hmm. are sponsoring her. If they're going to start pulling out sponsorships, I would say because she didn't talk to the media, there's a big difference. Right now, the media is under so much scrutiny for all kinds of shit. Print media is hanging on to every fucking dollar they can get because Mm -hmm. of the internet. Athletes can now, they have their own platform. They have internet. They have Twitter. They have Instagram. They can speak for themselves and say, hey, this is what's going on. And they can garner their own following. That didn't used to be the case. They had to count on media. They had to count on that for marketing. That's not the case anymore. Because guess who went and followed Naomi Osaka today? (laughs) Yo, girl. Because I'm like, fuck yeah. Good for her for standing up for herself. And that's bullshit that she had to. I'm going to go back to the conversation that we were having about allies and say that this is when her allies need to stand up. In particular, some of the male players, because sadly in this world, they're going to listen to male players more than they are going to be the female players. But other players need to step up and say, you know what? What she's doing is just for her, and you need to respect that. Yep. And if that means you you need to revise what your contract says, revise your fucking contract. Mm -hmm. Get the... What, what is it what does it do to you if she answers questions later exactly. or gets a set of questions printed out first and then can get an answer right. and then submit or what have you que te cuesta right nothing and it's it's there are going to be players who love that shit 
they play there before they play after they play while they're playing they're going to talk to media because that's their personality right there's always a muhammad ali absolutely they're that, out, they're there th- that feeds off of that absolutely. that needs that yes validation give it to me all day i will talk to you you can still do a story on that and you will yes. still sell your newspaper you will yes. still sell commercials whatever you need and so there's the ally factor to it definitely um and and for me you know having spent some of my time in counseling sessions and psychiatrists and whatnot you know there is a mental health aspect to this it's like mm-hmm. it's not just about your performance on the court or on the field or whatever mm-hmm. in the boxing ring whatever on the pitch on the pitch um <laughs> it's your performance and your brain and your keeping your soul intact and yes. these organizations are run by humans who can that can resonate with them they know the right thing to do they know the right thing to do Mm, i wouldn't always count on that no they let (laughs) capitalism tell them what the right thing is yeah capitalism isn't always the right thing to do yeah in your heart and mind you know that as a human you can make exceptions change things shift um have conversations like okay you know what after this french open close down let's have a couple conversations Mm -hmm. with some psychiatrists or or sports therapists and players or player unions or whatever and and so how do we make this better how can we meet in the middle Mm -hmm. or have some kind of Mm -hmm. you know ground in which we can get the interviews we need to make the stories but you can also have the safety that you need the buffer that you need to to be able to do to, to be the best athlete you can yeah, because let's be real. If she starts taking all the interviews and plays shitty, guess what's going to happen? They're not going to sell tickets. Absolutely. She's going to lose sponsorships. They're not going to sell tickets. It's not going to be as exciting. So, it, I mean, it really is a win-win to, to see athletes as humans, which is so shitty because, yes, they're in a public eye, but because they have a, this phenomenal talent that is surpassing regular humans. I mean, Michael Phelps has talked about feeling suicidal mm-hmm. and not wanting to engage in those kinds of conversations with media or other people because of criticism and all these things. I mean, the pressure is surreal for these folks and they're people. They're just people. I also do have to wonder if it's if they're being super picky pants because she's a woman of color. Absolutely. Because would they do this to a female, a white female? I don't know. And a white male, you're right. I mean, and tennis is still... It's an elite game. The white man's sport. Let's not kid ourselves. This is not like... I think the Williams sisters are the exception to the rule. And I would say for people who say like, oh, that's not... It's not the white man's sport. What about the Williams sisters? If that's your only damn example, there's a problem. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, true, true, true. So, I mean, so how do we as allies, how do we as allies work on the ground to, to, to change things and do some shifting on here? I mean, I would say if you haven't followed Naomi Osaka on social media, do it. Um, support her that way so that her sponsors and other people see she doesn't have to talk to media. She has to be herself. She has to take care of herself and we respect that as humans. We see that she's a human and want her to be okay. Um, I would say in conversations. Like totally. if, if you hear someone at the bar who's like, I, all she has to do is talk to a really fucker. Mm-hmm. How about you just chill your pantaloons and just let her be mm-hmm. and just do one conversation at a time and just, that's how you change a couple minds. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and there's you know i know like when colin kaepernick and all that stuff uh his advocacy which interestingly i did find out she refused to play a game in solidarity with black lives matter after a police shooting at one point so she's not a stranger to to speaking her mind and advocacy i mean this is her pathway forward i see this if she doesn't fully drop out of the sport i see this being a pathway for her um this advocacy pathway so i think those conversations are critical talking to people spreading the word reminding people that they're humans and that we don't own celebrities um nor do they give a fuck about you so if you're following the kardashians uh to a t they don't give a fuck about you reminder why are you following them is my question (sighs) so i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up one more thing before we wrap up this episode is just we did get a um a tweet online about what our thoughts were on the tahin business new york times <laughs> so i looked at the recipe the new york times was doing this like summer treats kind of thing where they did slice the mango and you can make this chili lime sauce that you can or not sauce but sprinkle on top that really brings it's like and all of the other comments on it <laughs> well no i shouldn't say that on social media the comments were that's called tahin <laughs> and you don't need a recipe and then on the new york times site literally there was there was people who were like wow how do you and uh, how much salt do you add to oh, this no. said recipe mm-mm, mm-mm. so david i hear you i know you you tweeted out to us to get our our take on this um shit there's a lot of ways that i can go on it part of me is being sarcastic a madre to just say like here, let me just send you a bottle of tajin. You don't need a recipe. <laughs> oh, we should do that. But also, we just did. So for dinner, before we came over tonight, we did pesto. Uh-huh. We made our own homemade pesto. And I was thinking to myself, how many damn Italians are looking at us and going, all you had to do was go to the store and get our favorite ever pesto sauce ever made that's probably 10 times better than yours. And I don't know. So half of me wants to be incredibly sarcastic and just be like, oh, wait, New York Times, wait till you find out about chamoy. (laughs) We're going to blow your pants off with that, that you can put on watermelon and other fruta. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then half of me is like, but this is what the New York Times does. Like they deconstruct recipes so that you can make it yourself and feel fancy pantaloons at your house making this. The other side to this is the person who wrote this recipe who is doing this was a woman of color. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? She has probably never heard of Tahin in her life. I mean. and I mean, no, really. We got one of our colleagues asked us what S-H-A-M-O-Y was. And oh, we yeah. had to explain what Chamoy was. Yeah, yeah. So I don't take it for granted that my... Um we had some family come into town this weekend and my husband's niece's husband you get all that yeah i did mm-hmm. why don't you call her your niece too but yeah go on. my niece's mm-hmm. husband is from costa rica mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we had watermelon for breakfast and i was like oh let me get the tahin because watermelon and tahin right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was like what is this what is this tajin he didn't he didn't know what it was mm-hmm. he had never seen it before and then I think he liked it. I don't know. But so fair that she wouldn't know what it was, even if she's a person of color. Great. She might not know what it is. But like, surprise, boo. 
it comes already pre-mixed <laughs> it's like the jose cuervo margarita mix boom <laughs> done take all the thinking out there for you yeah i uh that's an interesting oh new york times it let's let's talk let's do another episode about that we should because i'll, I'll tell you the time that they tried to make was it enchiladas i think they were trying to make enchiladas on, on new york on the new york times recipes and i was like my partner has my partner and executive producer has a new york times subscription and she likes the recipes that are on there mm-hmm. mostly the baking part okay. but when she showed me this i was mm-hmm. like this is your time to be a good ally and tell them they're fucking up on their enchiladas well, and wasn't there like the rachel ray pozole oh, oh yeah we got to talk well, about this okay so this is going to be an upcoming it's going to be a thing talk about food yes yes don't deconstruct it but let's talk about that and i like it yeah I like it as well. All right. So you have been listening to Episodio 27, which is episode 27. <laughs> if you deconstruct it. If you're deconstructing. <laughs> of the Pocha podcast, where we are uh, sitting proudly at the intersection of brown pride and assimilation. And in this month, the pride is more than just brown. It's also the rainbow colors, of which I need apparently some accessories mm-hmm. to. Um, I am Kat. I'm Charlene. Wait, before we sign off, Charlene, where do we find ourselves? Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can also send us an email, porterpodcast.gmail.com. And just as a reminder, yes, we had bonus content earlier this month. That doesn't mean we're leaving out our weedy weedy. True story. Expect a weedy weedy from us at the end of the month. And uh, visit Prados Beauty if you haven't online or if you're in Las Cruces, uh, stop by the shop. And we will catch you on the flip side.